Good morning. <clears throat> so today we're talking about fearing God and being fearless. Jesus is calling disciples to, to believe in him, to be devoted to him. He did it while he walked in the world, and he's doing it today still. He's calling us to believe in him, to be devoted to him through the witness of the Holy Spirit who, who is everywhere, speaking through his written words, speaking through the testimony of his believing followers. So last week we talked about, or asked the question, I should say, do you, you have good or bad eyesight, spiritual eyesight? Are your eyes letting God's light in to reveal your sinfulness, your need for salvation, God's merciful ways of escape uh, through Christ, through uh, believing in him? Are you walking in God's light? That's the question we, we looked at last week and, and tried to answer at least part of that. When Andrew was reading in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 1, did you notice the crowds? It says myriads, thousands of people were crowding around, so much they were like trampling on one another, jostling, trying to get close to Jesus, trying to either hear what he was saying or to, to, to have a miracle worked in their life or just to see if he would do another miracle. If you were a disciple right then and there, in Jesus's presence that would really be heady stuff it's like I know opposition's growing but look at the crowds wow God is doing something amazing his kingdom must be so close it must be right around the corner it's neat well it was near but it wasn't coming quite the way the disciples expected it to as his near followers so in the midst of all that, the growing crowds, growing opposition, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus teaches four important lessons. We're just going to look at one today. Four lessons for his disciples. In this moment, Jesus wanted to impress four lessons on his disciples. First one, today, fearing God. Then we'll talk about wise resources, using our resources that God gives us wisely, trusting God fully, and lesson four, faithful stewardship and service. We're going to be taking a couple weeks break, by the way, a couple focus, focusing on uh, outreach and God's mission in the next couple Sundays. Guest speakers will be here. So let's think about fearing God. Fear God live fearlessly guard yourself that's the first key lesson jesus emphasizes in the meantime when so many thousands of people had gathered together they were trampling on one another he began to say to his disciples first beware of the leaven or the yeast of the pharisees which is hypocrisy Nothing is covered up that will be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in the private rooms shall be proclaimed from the rooftops. So growing crowds, many people seeking Jesus, and in that moment of interest and fame, all good stuff, all heady stuff, I can see a disciple saying, yeah, I'm with Jesus. I've been kind of with him from the very beginning. I got to see his first miracle. Yeah, I'm with Jesus. 
And Jesus turns to his disciples first, it says. He, he spoke this to the crowds, I'm sure, too, but he spoke it to his disciples first. Beware of hypocrisy. At that very moment when the crowds are growing, Jesus says, beware of hypocrisy. Because hypocrisy leads, excuse me, popularity can lead to hypocrisy. Jesus is speaking about the temptation of going into hypocrisy. There's a pressure when things are going well to keep things going well and to become something maybe you're not. Leon Morris calls it the art of hypocrisy. I want you to know we all are good at the art of hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's saying one thing but doing another. It's our public actions, for instance, on Sunday morning, can be very different than our private actions during the week. The art of hypocrisy then depends on covering up the truth with an appearance of something we're not, that we make ourselves look better than we really are, that we conceal our heart behaviors. When that concealment, when, when hiding it breaks down, hypocrites are unmasked, they're shown as to be frauds and phonies and pretenders. You know, the Greek word for hypocrite was used of actors. See, they played a part. They weren't that person, but they were playing the role of a person. They put on a mask in, in, in Jesus' day to do a drama, so they hid behind their mask, pretending to be someone, acting like someone who they truly weren't. Well, that's what hypocrisy is, putting on a mask and acting like I'm someone, or you acting like you're someone that you really aren't to impress certain people in certain places and times. And what's amazing is Jesus points to the Pharisees, remember the religious leaders of the day, the holy people in Jerusalem, in, in Judah, in Israel, and he said, beware of their yeast, beware of their hypocrisy. Don't be like them. Don't be a hypocrite. It's interesting that Jesus uses yeast as a picture, right? Because yeast goes to work in a lump of dough and it spreads and you don't really see it happening, but you see the results of it. It gets puffed up, it spreads, it infects the whole lump of dough. You can hide things from people, but we can never hide those things, those thoughts, those words from God. Pharisees were foolishly short-sighted, so we need to be wiser. Jesus wants his disciples, his followers, to be wiser. Our most secret thoughts. You've had some this week, right? The gossip, the disparaging words that you say in secret to the select few, the actions done without a human witness around they're going to be exposed by the all-knowing judge. The Pharisees foolishly thought that their public appearance somehow kind of erased all that stuff. That it wouldn't matter. But that idea doesn't work in God's kingdom justice system. I mean, that's just not the way it is. Only truth prevails in God's kingdom. Only faith in Christ can bring us the righteousness we need 
to live in God's presence, nothing we put on it by ourselves, works. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.10. Believers in Christ and unbelievers, we're all going to face God's judgment, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, the Apostle Paul says, we persuade others to get in line by faith in Christ, so that you won't don't have to face this judgment in fear. Believe. Again, in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, but we preach Christ crucified, the power of God and the wisdom of God, and you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God. Jesus became our righteousness. He's the one who brings us sanctification that makes us holy. He's the one who redeems us, saves us. So as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. There's a righteousness that God's revealed. Romans chapter 3 explains it, and it's through faith in Jesus Christ. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, but we've been saved through belief in Christ. So we're going to be facing God in judgment. It's like going to the principal's office, only worse. It's like facing mom and dad when you've done something terribly wrong in disobedience, but it's worse because it's the judge who's fair and just and knows all. But believers, <laughs> Jesus is going to be our defense lawyer. 1 John chapter 2 puts it this way. Beloved, excuse me, my little children, Beloved, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have a lawyer with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation. He's the covering for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Do you want your sins covered? Do you want to be able to stand before God without any fear? Then let your sins be covered by believing in Christ. All our unholy work is going to be removed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talks about building on the foundation of Christ with gold and silver, precious things. And then there's wood and hay and straw. And God's going to put a little fire to it, and only the good's going to be there, going to, going to stand. And we'll be saved through fire because of Christ. And those who refuse Christ, don't believe in him, you know what's going to happen. You're going to stand before God. An unbeliever will stand before God, he or she, all by themselves. And the God who knows everything will judge justly and fairly. Fear God. You're going to give an accounting to a creator, and that should create in you reverent fear. For the unbelieving person, it should drive me to my knees, seeking God's mercy and forgiveness, because when we face death, we're going to face judgment. So what do you say if you haven't committed your life 
in belief to Christ? Is he the Savior? What do you say? Will you believe and find mercy, or will you stand on your own before God without Christ? And you believers, we're going to stand before God too and be judged for what we've been given. And God the Spirit has graciously revealed the dirtiness of our sins and our hearts. And he's revealed to us that we have forgiveness through God's grace through Christ. So allow that position that's such a blessing to make you love God more. Do you love God enough? You, those of you who were in the prayer study this morning, I would encourage you, if you didn't attend today, just please join the group next Sunday at 9.30. Do you want to love God more? Then ask, and it will be given. Because we know that's something that God would want for you. For the whole world to know him, to know his love, and to love him back. Ask for it. Forsaking, ask God to help you forsake your old self-centered living. Have you asked God fervently to overcome the darkness in your heart? Do you think he will answer? To pursue hard after God's kingdom, have you asked? To be asking for increasing godliness and not stagnating or getting bored or, or discontent or nonchalant, but to delight in the Lord, have you asked him to move in your heart, in my heart, in our hearts together to love God more? We're asking to pray together, right? This initiative to pray together that we would love God and serve him to know his will and to do it more. So when you think about facing God, what's the first thing you need to do? Ask God to reveal the log that's in your own eye. So then you can begin to help others with the specks in their eyes. Jesus is most concerned about his disciples that he loves and who love him. So he warns them to guard against hypocrisy, against the evil of it, to turn away from prideful outward appearances, to let God's light shine in so we can live godly. What's the second thing he's concerned about? To guard ourselves from hypocrisy, and second, to ready ourselves to face God. Look at verse 4 of Luke chapter 12. Jesus is speaking to his followers. Look at what he says. I tell you, my friends. Let's just stop there for a moment. That is an incredible statement. Are you a friend of God? When the king of the universe calls you his friend, that is an incredible truth. It's amazing. Think about it. He calls me his friend. Who am, is Matt Meter? Would you, do you really want to be my friend? It's not going to raise your status very high. <laughs> oh, I'm a friend of him. Ooh, whoa, no one's going to do that. But when Jesus says, you are my friend... That is something. How do you get there? How do you get to be a friend to Jesus? Well, you don't buy it. You don't earn it. 
you just humbly surrender, recognizing that he is God and Savior. And he makes you, by his grace and goodness, his friend. That is amazing truth. That is the good news of the gospel. So Jesus is giving this comforting truth. He calls them his disciples, these beloved ones, his friends, because he knows what's coming. He's going to the cross. Those big crowds are not going to get him through going to the cross or stop it. He's going to pay for the world's sins. He's going to be separated from his father. He's going to suffer the punishment you and I deserve. So he's telling his disciples this because he, the God who knows all the secrets of their hearts and the Pharisees' hearts, to avoid their hypocrisy, the enemies of God are going to get nastier. And he's preparing his disciples to be ready to face their God, their friend. He knows persecution is coming, and he tells them who to fear. Fear God, because he's the one who knows all and can forgive. And he tells them who not to fear, so that our hearts and their hearts can be filled with courage, so we persevere when things are not going well. Fear God, because he's the one who's going to judge me. Reverent awe. That's what he says in verse 5. But I warn you, but I warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, has, who, after he is killed, has the authority to cast you into hell. Don't fear anyone who can kill you, because that's all they can do. They have no power beyond that. Fear the God, the only one who can judge correctly, who knows your heart and can cast you into hell. The word for hell there is a different word than the normal one. It's normally Hades, but here it's Gehenna. Gehenna is connected with judgment. And it's connected with the valley, the rubbish heap outside Jerusalem. And it's like Jesus is using it as a picture. It's where the dump was. Have you ever been to the city dump? They really smell good. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know that. And it's likely that there was this constant fire burning in this valley outside Jerusalem. So it was a perfect picture of the stench and the fire and the smoke that was coming in judgment in hell. And it was a cursed place because in years earlier, the Israelites had sacrificed their children to the, the idol Moloch there. And it became a cursed place. They cleaned it up and they made it a defiled place. The people who worshiped the false god there would no longer want to worship there because it had been cleaned up by God. It, it had become a place of curse, of, of being cursed. So gladly have reverent all. And then what does Jesus say? Look at verses 8 and 9. I need to read those verses through verse 12. And I tell you, Jesus is continuing on, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. 
And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you would say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So be glad to be known as a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you do, Jesus will introduce you to the holy angels. That's good company to be introduced to. Deny Jesus, and you'll be sent away from your creator. And we have a choice to be identified with or against Jesus. And I keep popping, I'm sorry. And how I live my life will be ratified before God's judgment seat. My life and my words, my public and my private life, will reveal who I really am. So take assessment. Am I truly a follower of Christ, or am I just pretending at the right time and right place to impress certain people? With Christ, your life will show it. If you're not with Jesus, believe me, he knows, and your actions and your words reveal it. Look at verse 10. This is a sobering truth, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, against Jesus, will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What's that all about? It's a sobering truth to see that there's a sin that will not be forgiven. What does Jesus mean here? Well, speaking against Jesus can be forgiven. If you turn in belief, you can be forgiven. And a good example of that is the Apostle Paul. He spoke against Jesus. He killed people who followed Jesus. He was happy to do that. But he turned in belief to Jesus, and he was forgiven. But what's this sin against the Holy Spirit? It's not just saying a few words against the Holy Spirit. It's a mindset. It's talking about a way of life. It's, call, it's when you call good evil. It's when, when the Pharisees saw Jesus healing people, they said, oh, it's a demon. It's the devil doing that. That's blaspheming the witness, going against the witness of the Holy Spirit. It's a mindset. It's a continual attitude of refusing to recognize that Jesus is the Savior, that he's God. It's refusing the gospel message again and again. It's resisting God and his kingdom. That's resisting, blaspheming, going against the witness of the Holy Spirit. And if we continue in that, it can't be forgiven. So fear God. Fear Jesus because he says, I hold the keys of death and hell. Surrender to his lordship, and you need not fear death nor hell. So Jesus tells us who to fear, fear God, and then he goes quickly into who not to fear. Verse 4, we jump backwards a little bit. Don't fear death. Why not? Because bodily death is not as powerfully final as we think. Did that make sense? Because... Bodily death is not as final as it appears. 
There's life to come when we trust in Christ and his word that's good, that's better. And those who would harm you for following Jesus have no power in the next life. All the bad people who are in power in the world, and we're part of the problem too, by the way, but all those people who have the power of life and death in this world, it's a very short season. Just remember that. It ends. So live well in the reality that God is judge and he offers you and me eternal life by simply believing. So don't fear death. It's, it's really not the end. It's the beginning when you believe in God to something that's much better. What else are we not to fear? Verses 6 and 7, do not fear, do not doubt your value to God. We sang about that today. Thank you, worship arts people. Two birds are sold for a penny. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Culturally, they say two birds were sold for a penny, so two pennies equaled four birds. And then they would throw in a fifth just for free. <laughs> God knows all about those birds. He knows about you. God knows about your hair count. Some of us make it easier on God than others. But if God knows about that unimportant thing about you and me, know that he cares about the more important issues of your life. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't fear your value before God. He loves you and he cares for you. In verses 11 and 12, Jesus said, And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you shall defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Do not fear opposition. Don't let the sin of the Holy Spirit like freak you out so much that you focus on that and you forget about that the Holy Spirit was sent to take care of us to help us, to encourage us, to guide us, to lead us. The Holy Spirit's a gift sent to us to help us to follow Jesus victoriously. Remember why the Holy Spirit is here. So if we face persecution, he will help us speak the gospel when we need to speak it. He will help, and he will use, help us through other believers to keep us strong in the faith. So fear God the most, because those who oppose God are missed. Those who oppose God are fleeting shadows. Those who are the most powerful people in the world are like fading flowers. Just like we are fading flowers. So do not fear opposition. Have you ever wondered if strong opposition or persecution came your way if you would stay true to Jesus. You've had to have thought about it. I hope you have, if you're a follower of Christ. How did the saints of old manage to stay true? Let me just read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 11. 
verse, starting at verse 32, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They, attained, they obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the power of the fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in the dens and caves of the earth. And all these though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. What's that saying? <laughs> their faith is there to inspire us to faith as well, to hold on because they held on, and if we don't hold on, it kind of like they held on for nothing. But the focus is in chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, people who hung on to God through thick and thin, some of them were like super victorious and others were like put to death, terrible deaths. But they hung on to Christ. Was it worth it? They hung on to God. Was it worth it? Here's the answer. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. He's the one that made it possible. He's the one that gave them victory. He's a superior savior. He is, it's his sacrifice. It's his powerful grace that holds us. He's the one who keeps us safe. Even when we die, whether it's through persecution and suffering or just naturally, he gives us victory. So fear God. And then in that secure relationship that you have through Christ, live fearlessly for God. Follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. He opened your eyes to believe. You are learning more and more what the will of God is for your life. Don't stop loving or serving Jesus. God has you right now where he wants you, whether you're old or young. Be on Christ's mission. Fear God. Don't fear those who might stigmatize or ridicule you for following Jesus' ways. They might even economically impoverish you by never giving you that raise or the position you deserve moving up in the business. Some are imprisoned. Some are killed. But don't fear them. Fear God. Jesus wanted the growing crowds to hear that, but most of all, he wanted his followers, his disciples, them and us to know this truth, that we can live without fear, 
that we can do justice, that we can love mercy, we can walk humbly with God Almighty because he has named us as who? His friends. And he will hold on to us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask you to please allow us to better understand how mighty and holy and awe-inspiring you are Help us to see your great glory, Lord, so that we do not fear anything but you. For you have our lives in your hands, and you will never leave or forsake your children, your beloved ones, your friends. And Lord Jesus, we ask you to hold on to us and make us stronger, not for our glory, but for your glory alone. Lord, I ask you today to bring your salvation of hope into this world that is feels hopeless. Strengthen your people around the globe today to live fearlessly for you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.